We are back for another episode of Touchline Thoughts, powered by the Garage Door Sports Network. I'm Arfan Manji. Joining us today is another professional player, this time from the Canadian Premier League. Before we welcome him, sit back, get comfortable, and we'll catch you shortly. to welcome new to the show but friend of the network Nico Giantsopoulos. Nico is currently a goalkeeper playing with York United FC which he recently signed for after playing with the Calvary for two seasons. He's made his way onto this New York team. He's played youth soccer in Pickering and Ajax, played in Australia and the NC2A. Definitely a player with experience. You can listen to Nico's interview when he joined Garage Door Sports in episode 72 since the relaunch. So if you want to hear more about him, it's over there. We're not going to bore our listeners with another interview. Um, But we will talk some good soccer. But before we get to that, I'd like to welcome Nico to the show. Nico, welcome. Thank you so much for taking time uh, for joining us today. No problem. Happy to be here. Let's talk some footy. Awesome. Well, in today's episode, uh, we will do our best to cover the major leagues around Europe. Maybe we'll cover some North American content. We'll see how time goes, but uh, there's a lot to talk about, a lot of important things. So why don't we get right into it? Today's Starting 11 is brought to you by Shenzi Shack. Don't forget to give the Shack and Chef Sab a follow on Instagram as we bring you cuisines from around the world. They deliver and are available for pickup in the Vancouver area. So before we get into the leagues, there's something that came up um, quite evidently, especially with VAR now being uh, implemented into the game, and that's the handball rule. Um, they've sort of changed the handball rule to sort of follow the the, the mindset that if in the buildup there was an accidental handball, they're going to adapt that rule. They're going to be a little bit more relaxed now, but they're also going to adapt the offside rule. Um, do you think VAR in general has been changing the 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 perspective of the game, um, especially when it comes to handballs or, or calling things that go, okay, well, that is a call or, you know, missing things and pretending like they didn't happen? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, for one, I think VAR has completely changed the game, like now from a fan's perspective. Uh, obviously, I haven't played in a league where VAR is being used, uh, mm-hmm. but as a fan, I mean, there's no it takes away a lot of excitement i'm not a huge fan i don't know what your thoughts on it but uh the offside rule and now this new handball rule it's it's taken away the uh almost like uh you know i remember back in the day seth ladder said you know that he wants football to kind of leave up to interpretation it's kind of like life like mistakes happen you kind of if it misses and stuff like that i can't remember exactly his quote but now with uh far it's like so exact it's just it's uh, less of a game. It's more like a video game now. And then that's not what I like. <laughs> True. I mean, I think a lot of the stoppages are, are ruining the game. Like, I'm okay with, um, you know, blatant calls being reversed. Like, there was yesterday in the Barcelona game, Leo was completely offside um, when he gets the ball. And then the keeper takes him out, touches the ball. But everyone's like, oh, that's a red card. And it's like, well, no, he was offside. He was clearly offside. But they had to keep going back to VAR. So, like, I'm okay with stuff like that to take away, um, you know, a red card or take away a goal that doesn't count. Like, I'm cool with that. But 
it's not defined like i've noticed that they have different rules for every different game like it constantly changes depending on the referee or it depends on the officials on the on the pitch or if whoever's sitting in the var room goes ah that's not a penalty or that's not anything right like i've noticed that so like there's no consistency so i'm okay with them tossing in var but there's no consistency so unless they're willing to say these is what we're doing or every ref has to follow it. It's a blatant penalty. I don't care if it's to United or Liverpool to, or to Bayern. Like, it doesn't matter. If it's clear, it's clear. Um, 100%. And um, that's what makes a good ref. Consistency. Exactly. Exactly. So, like, I, I feel like VAR is there to catch um, certain mistakes, which is fine. But I think the referee should have the final call. Like, they're just like, oh, well, I might as well just check VAR because I have it now. Um, because they don't want to make that mistake. But they're still making a mistake. So I don't really understand the point of it. Like the way you said is like, you don't like it because it is messing up the game, but unless they clean it up and I guess maybe this new little rule that they've come up with, if there's an accidental handball to start the play, you know, we're not going to look at it anymore, but I know, I don't know about you, but when you've played soccer, if it's a handball accidental or not, it's a handball, your hand touched the ball. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't, I don't, I'm on the fence with it. I've been on the fence with it for a while. Um, Maybe this new rule will adapt it. I know like a couple of teams have lost games because um, of the build-up play because it was accidental. But man, I'm telling you, even if my hand is like here and it touches it, I'm I'm going to get called for it. And, and sometimes it's a card and you go, fine, that's a part of the game. My hand touched the ball. I can't do anything about it. Have you seen the video of uh, in the A-League of how the referee mic'd up and explaining kind of how they use the VAR? No, no, you gotta you gotta send us that. That's that's super cool. You want to explain it to everyone for a little bit? Yeah, I mean, just quickly, it's it's a live uh, A League game out in Australia, and the refs are obviously using VAR, but the ref is mic'd up, so it's an offside call, and you kind of hear the people in the VAR booth talking mm-hmm. back to the ref. He's talking to his linesman, and and kind of how they come to the decision. It makes it uh, very clear and how they use it. It just kind of gives a fan uh, a better idea of really how VAR should be used and. Uh, and how they do make decisions on the field. And I would love the Premier League, like a much bigger league with so many more eyes on it, uh, to kind of do that. And it might give fans, you know, a bit, it might give the fans more understanding of what's going on. Instead, when you don't really hear the conversations that the refs may be having with VAR, it's mm-hmm. easy to, to get mad and, you know, make assumptions yeah. that this is the, no, that for they're sure. not really thinking through. But when it's mic'd up and you hear all the conversation happening, it's like, okay, it's like, it's, it's being used in the right way. So mm-hmm. I'd love a big league, maybe one of the top five leagues to, to do what the A-League did because uh, it, it was pretty big uh, to, to hear how they used the VAR. Oh, I think that'd be amazing. I mean, for what we see, obviously, we're all backseat fans when we're watching a game. So it's like, no, that's a call. And it's like, okay, but uh, is it really a call? Like, what are the rules? Like, I'm sure that these referees have their hands tied with certain things they can say or can call and whatnot. So, I mean, that's a great idea. We'll look into the A-League um, after the show. We'll uh, we'll try and find that link and, and send it off uh, via our Twitter page. But now that we've kind of beat that to a pulp a little bit, uh, why don't we get into the league? It's full of derbies this weekend. I mean, there was the Bayern Dortmund derby yesterday. We have the Madrid derby starting as we're recording. Um, and it, and we also have the Manchester derby a little later in the day. So it's going to be a good weekend of sports, a good weekend of soccer. So um, why don't we, you know what, let's start with the Madrid derbies. Let's start La Liga. This year's La Liga standings. Um, 
have been a little different as Atletico Madrid have clearly led the pack for the last little bit. Um, they still sit in first with two games in hand. Um, you have Barcelona, who's pulled in a nice little streak of about seven to eight wins in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and Madrid, Real Madrid, uh, is in third. It's it's really the three giants who've been running away with this league for quite some time. And it's, it's usually Barcelona who likes to take over, but um, it's been a different leader for the first time in a few years. Any thoughts on on the La Liga campaign this year, um, as, especially as everything's going to get crucial with uh, Europe uh, kicking in and, and league semifinal uh, competitions kicking in? Yeah, I mean, for I mean, you said it right there. The three main clubs uh, are at the top as normal. Uh, it's nice to see Atletico, though, at the top this time. I mean, not like I support them or anything, but it's just, you know, when it's the same team or same two teams always winning the league, uh, it's nice to get a bit of change. It shows the competition uh, is there. Atletico's is such a, I think, a well-coached team uh, out of the those three clubs. I think they've had the least amount of drama, uh, if you want to say that, but, you know, off the field. Um, and that probably shows season. why. The, yeah, I mean, <laughs> which is rare because they have Suarez on their team and you feel like uh, drama just follows that guy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that shows why they're in first place. So like you said, they do have two games in hand uh, and they're two points ahead of uh, Barcelona right now. So um, it, it, we'll see how it how it finishes. But uh, right now they're in a great spot. Exactly. So they are playing the Madrid Derby today uh, while we're recording. Um, who do you see taking that, uh, especially with how the year's gone? I mean, Madrid's sort of been fluctuating with results. They haven't really been in games. Even when they win, they don't look like they're going to win the game. Um, is this going to be the year that Madrid find uh, Atletico Madrid snaps the nine-game winless streak against the rivals? Yeah, I mean, it, if there's a if there's a year to break that or in a game to do it, it's probably uh, today. You know how close the standings are now. Yep. Uh, will it happen? I don't think so. I think Barcelona will still, uh, you know, class prevails. Um, <laughs> but it's, it'll be the closest one yet. Yeah. Even with Ronald Koeman uh, as the head coach, you really think Barcelona might take away this table? Mm, no. No. Okay. So we're Do looking you? at... No, I, I don't have, I have zero faith in Barcelona. Yeah, okay. And I was, and, and it comes back to, uh, if you go back to their Champions League game against PSG, it looked like Everton, like Ronald Coleman's Everton facing off against the Giants the entire game. It's just, they weren't in it. They didn't look good. They had star players that just couldn't click. Um, it looked like Messi literally played like Gilfie Sigurdsson. And that's unfortunate to say but like that was the type of game that it looked like and i said well i have zero faith in barcelona to start this season um at least they're beating up on teams they should be beating up on but uh, you can tell that when they play a team with a little bit more class a little bit more style a little bit more presence on the pitch they're just not winning mm-hmm. yeah and this one this could be messi's uh finals uh derby so i'm expecting him to kind of go off leave on a bang he is the goat so that's what I'm expecting. Messi. <laughs> um, if they come up with a new president, since we're still going to talk about Barcelona, they have the Barca gate where Joseph Barmatou and a couple of their other uh, colleagues uh, did false administration and business corruption through a company called uh, I3 Ventures, where they hired to boost the image of the club on social media. That club did not boost any social media presence. They actually started going after their players from what the reports are saying. So he's out, which is fine, but they're in the look for a new president. So until they come up with some sort of 
foundation at this club and direction. I don't know where Messi's going to go. I think he'll stay until the presidential elections, which are also later today um, or something like that, or, or, or I believe next Sunday. They're on a Sunday, within either this week or next week. Um, we'll see his decision. If it's the guy that he likes, he'll stay. If it's not, then we're probably looking at Messi not being in a Barcelona jersey next year. So you still think there's a chance that Messi will stay? I still think there's a chance that Messi will stay. There's players that are committed to a club um, that won't leave. Um, you you look at guys like Paul Scholes or Ryan Giggs that uh, that stuck around um, when they had opportunities and, and options to go to Real Madrid or to uh, AC Milan or something like that. Like Paul Scholes was linked to Barcelona for such a long time, um, but they stayed. Steven Gerrard stayed because it was like, he's our player. Like we're not going to, get rid of him in his prime we're going to make what we can because whether or not the league decides to acknowledge this if Messi leaves that league will be in serious trouble with image rights uh with image issues so um I have a feeling he stays I could be wrong because there's only two clubs that can actually afford him and a salary and that's PSG and City and whether he decides to go to a different league at the age of 33 34 will he still be up to that level i'm not sure i think he'll still dominate la liga but i think he'll struggle in england because he's just gonna get pushed around no offense but that's what's what's gonna happen and in, in france he'll just probably play backseat to, to neymar and mbappe so i don't know if he wants to do that either fair point fair point um another thing in the la liga just quickly is atletico bilbao just won the copa del rey uh last week which was a postponement from last season and now they're back in the final again facing off against Barcelona they have a chance of winning the Copa del Rey in back-to-back weeks for two straight seasons technically um I think we don't really talk about other teams as much in this league because we don't really expect them to be much but Atletico Bilbao sit 11th but they have the chance of winning their second trophy in as in as many weeks so good luck to them best of luck there um one last story and I know I, I posted this to you before the the start of the show uh, off air Kylian Mbappe is being linked to Real Madrid are we are we going to see him move over to the Madrid Giants or can they not afford him? I mean, they could definitely afford him. <laughs> um, it's I just don't know because now the French League is now getting so much respect, especially when they won the the World Cup uh, before. Like the French League was almost looked down upon, but now it's like right up there now with the top uh, with the top leagues and PSG having success now in Champions League. Um, you know, it's it's not before from PSG to Real Madrid, it was like it made sense. But now it's like with Neymar there, you know, big clubs. Who knows? He is French, maybe he wants to stay in his home country. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't like to see it. I would like to see him stay with PSG. Uh something about French players playing for, you know, in their home country, yeah. just uh, I I like that. Um mm-hmm. but I mean Real Madrid could definitely use him. I think they, they get him on his team. I mean, he's young. Uh, they could kind of continue to add more players with them. Uh, that would make them a serious threat in the league. Uh, but I don't think it will happen. No? That's just interesting. I mean, he's been linked. Uh, obviously, every player gets linked to a club, especially when you're uh, you know, a Manchester fan. You go, oh, he's linked to us, so we're going to get him, and then you never get him. So uh, I hope it's not one of those situations. I think Real Madrid are, are actually stuttering. They they have an aging squad, and I think he would add to that squad, whether or not they can afford him, especially with the losses in the pandemic uh, from all the big clubs, um, remains to be seen. So we'll keep an eye on that. Why don't we um, 
switch over to the Bundesliga, where the Bundesliga, since the return of play from the pandemic, they've been getting a little bit more TV time in Canada, especially on Sportsnet. So I've really been enjoying that, just a personal thing. Um, but if we take a look at the major stories and look at the, the table currently, Bayern aren't sitting pretty. They're not leading by a, a massive margin now. Leipzig is right on their tails. Uh, what do you make of Bayern's season following um, their trouble win last year? I mean, they're still in first place, so obviously it's not as dominating um, as we were probably expecting. I mean, they also had so many games last year with making it all the way to the end of the Champions League, so I'm sure that takes a toll. Then you mix in uh, COVID, sorry, and, uh, you know, it's just it's, it's a tough year for, for any team. Um, so I'm not really surprised that they're not so far ahead as, the, as they might normally be. Um, but still, they're, they're in first place. We've got to give them some slack. That's what, as the trouble is when teams are so dominant. And now they're in first place in the Bundesliga, but they're not in first by so much. We're like, oh, man, like tough year for them, eh? Um, yeah. but, well, by uh, their standards, it's tough year. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, again, up and down year. But uh, I still see them taking, uh, you know, taking the league at, at, by the end of it. Oh, for sure. I mean, if you end up, uh, you know, comparing their squad list with everyone else in the Bundesliga, it's like they have the riches of someone coming off. You can take Tuliso off and you have a young guy named Musiala who comes on and does the exact same thing. So I think when you're comparing depth-wise in the long run, they're probably the, the favorites and they probably should win this league. Um, their competitor, the biggest competitor in the last 10 years has been Dortmund, who's kind of not really playing well, blowing leads. Yesterday, they had a 2-0 lead over Bayern, ended up losing 4-2. Just, um, they also you know, fired their head coach. Um, their new man, Marco Rose, has a lot of work to do. Where do you see uh, Dortmund finishing in this table? Currently, they're sixth, uh, sort of trailing behind Leverkusen, Frankfurt, and Wolfsburg and Leipzig. Yeah, yeah very close. Uh, again, I think from third place, they're only six points back. So, I mean, a swing like that can happen. Uh, very quick, especially in a competitive league uh, like the Bundesliga. Um, I, I see them finishing uh, in a Champions League spot, actually. Uh, so in the top four, I think they'll probably get in that four spot if they could kind of get a run of games now going. Again, uh, they come off a hard loss uh, just the other day against Bayern, but, you know, sometimes that's expected. Uh, if they could string maybe three games in a row now, uh, again, I'm, I'm a big uh, believer in, in, you know, when a uh, the club is known for winning that uh, they'll find that uh, mm -hmm. less. Uh, what are the words I'm trying to say, you know, class and stuff like that. They'll always end up in top chances are. Um, yep. And I got faith in them to do that. They got a good culture again. Like you said, they've been at the top for so many years and I think you'll find a way that they're in a bit of a tough spell in the last five games. They've drawn two losses, with only two wins, but uh, again, a quick, quick run of games. And it, three wins in a row and you'll see them back right where they should yeah. be. Especially because the three teams above them haven't um, really been in those spots for such a long time before they might collapse. We don't know, but um, Dortmund has the youngsters that are, are so electric and so fun to watch. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, another major story coming out of the Bundesliga is Schalke who sit 18th are just hired their fifth manager this season. Um, I mean, you look at Schalke, who's who's 
when you think of the Bundesliga, you think Bayern, you think of Dortmund, you think of Schalke, who comes up all the time, right? They come up in a conversation because of their rich history. What's going on with them? They're just like dangling at the bottom. They haven't played good, good football. They've just been blown out. Fifth coach, like, is this team just going to head down and, and maybe have to reset in the second division? Or can they pull out at least another a string of four wins because that's the closest to catch Berlin in 15th? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a sad thing because, like you said, they are a mainstay in the Bundesliga and they are that big name even. Uh, but I can't see them coming out of this. I mean, when you got, I mean, I don't know what's happening behind the scenes, but when you have five coaches in one season, uh, something's up. Um, yeah. So it looks like they're going to get rid. I mean, they got ten points, and seventeenth uh, is has eight points ahead with eighteen. So uh, I don't know. They haven't given us any reason to think they're just all of a sudden going to win three games. Yeah. Uh, again, unfortunate, but I think they might be going down to Bundesliga too. Yeah, I, I can. I probably can attest to that as well. I mean, how many times can you can you suit your culture or coach uh, change coaching styles or be like, okay, we're going to press with one coach, but we're going to defend with another coach. Like, how do you, like you're a former player, uh, sorry, current player who's played in different leagues in Australia and, and, and Ajax and Pickering and, and kind of been through the ranks. What happens when a coaching change occurs? Like everything changes, no? Or do they keep everything the same or what's going on? No, I mean, especially in, in the professional game, when a, a new coach comes in, he wants to implement his style. And uh, normally when you do a change, uh, you know, the, the board uh, would bring in a coach that probably has different ideas of the coach that was just let go because, you know, if you bring in the same style, then why are you going to be expecting different results? So normally a different coach comes in with a different idea. Now, when you have five different coaches, I don't know if you have five different styles between all those, uh, yeah. but a lot of things change and it's very tough as a player uh, to, you know, getting the flow because, you know, then trainings are different. Uh, tactics are different. You know, yeah. you're always, you know, now, you know, people who are mainstay starters when a new coach comes in you know, everyone's back on a clean slate. So a uh, very disruptive year. If you're always changing coaches, uh, mm. especially five times, five times. Yeah. I mean, the biggest problem they have is letting goals in with that minus 45 that that's glaring off the page for me there. But, um, yeah, no, I think it's tough. Like you're, you're changing different people. Everyone's like, oh, now I have another chance of proving myself. And it's like, okay, well, you should have had that in the first coach because we shouldn't be in this position because the talent is there. It's just, they're just not executing. Yeah, uh, fun story. Second division, Holsten Kiel have reached the German Cup semifinals after beating a Bayern last month. And they also beat a, a fourth division team in Roth Weiss Essen. So nice to see some fresh faces. Like we've mentioned sort of challenge for cups. Uh, this is the DF DFB Pukul cup. Um, and final thing that I just wanted to ask you about uh, Luka Jovic, who came back on loan to Frankfurt from Real Madrid has been tearing it up in the Bundesliga. Now, my question to you is are players from the Bundesliga overrated when they're going to other leagues? I mean, I'm thinking of, Guys like Kai Havertz, um, Timo Werner, uh, Pulisic, who's also struggled in England. And then Jovic just not getting time in, in Spain. And when he got time, he just wasn't executing the way, uh, I guess, these who wanted him to for Madrid. And now he's back in the Bundesliga and sort of killing it. Um, are they overrated or am I just looking at it differently? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because when I think of German players, I think of some of the best players in the in the world. And I think of very well-rounded players as well. That's kind of like the characteristics uh, put towards them. So I think when they move from league to league, that they should uh, adapt pretty well. 
the tough thing is, is when, when you are moving leagues and moving countries, there's so much that go into that that don't really involve uh, football. You know, mm-hmm. your living situation, moving countries, do you speak the language, uh, uh, stuff like that. To say they're overrated might be uh, a bit uh, naive I'm a stretch. to say. Yeah, it's a stretch, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, just... but, uh, but, I mean, like you said, I mean, it's kind of been proven uh, in recent players and stuff like that, but uh, I don't think we could call them overrated just yet. Okay. So, so we just got to give them another chance to let them kind of feel out the season. I mean, for you especially, you've been you played in Australia and then come back home here in Canada. Um, did you notice that it was hard to co- sort of settle in um, to a new country, a new system, new ideas? Uh, definitely very different when uh, when I went to Australia. It was uh, much less tactical and much more physical. Uh, it might have been because I was playing in the second division of Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what I was used to, especially like growing up in the youth year, it's very tactical, you know, possession based. Uh, but then when I went over there, it was uh, high paced, very fast, very physical. So uh, as a goalie, it, it's a bit easier to adapt, to be honest, because the name of the game is just safe shots. Yeah. Um, but as a player and kind of understanding the tactics that the coach wants, uh, you can definitely see uh, it took a bit of a adjustment to get used to. Okay. Well, you heard it, folks. I'm over. I'm saying it, it, it. I'm a little late with my overrated statement. I just uh, been a little disappointed with a, a few of the players who are supposed to be top class just have struggled in, in various leagues. But I'm sure they'll bounce back. This is good for both uh, both sides. There. Let's move on to the Syria, uh, where uh, different table looking this year. Right? There's no Juve kind of running away with this. AC Milan uh, was killing it for all of 2020, and then 2021 hit and They've sort of faltered at form and Inter Milan have taken their, their chances and, and sort of tape pulled away with six points. What do you make of, of this season so far in the Serie A? Uh, a lot of action, to be honest, especially uh, a lot of drama off the, or on the fields, I should say. And I love how it has to do with the, with the derby between Milan uh, and Inter, <laughs> you know, with, you know, two absolute heavyweights of strikers with Lukaku and uh, Ibra. Um, I mean, it's been a good league. Again, the same thing with how we're talking about uh, in uh, in Spain. There's three top teams normally in this league over history. Um, and it's nice to see Juventus isn't at the top again. Uh, I like that Inter is at the top. And then Milan. So Juventus is in third now. So yeah. up and down here. It makes it exciting. Again, I, I don't like it when it's always the same guys. And, you know, it's the... You want you want turns as a fan, and I don't really support anyone in Italy, but I like uh, not knowing what's going to happen. It's terrible as a betting man, but uh, <laughs> as a neutral fan, oh for sure. I mean, you, when you have dominance for a decade, you go okay. Like there has to be someone that overtakes you. I mean, we're kind of seeing that. Maybe we're we're not going to. Maybe both Milan teams struggle down the stretch, and Juve uses their experience to pull through. But again, at this point. Um, Inter just playing good soccer. Um, they have a big game on Monday against Atalanta, so we'll see how that goes. Atalanta's in fifth, one point away from fourth, and a potential third place if Juve loses their next game. We don't know if that will happen. Um, what do you make of Andrea Pirlo's first season? Um, I mean, they have a respectable 15-7-3 record. Like, it's not a poor record. It's just they haven't... Have they really met expectations this year? No, definitely not. I mean, again, <laughs> it's kind of like Bayern. You know, we're we're questioning them like any other club. 
uh, we'd be like, yeah, that's, that's not too bad of a season. But Juventus, uh, I mean, it's win uh, or nothing, really, win or bust. Uh, so definitely a disappointing year. Um, I don't know about you. I was very surprised uh, with that hiring. I'm sure you've talked about it on the show when it first happened. Uh, yeah. You know, just didn't know how much experience he had. And, you know, to coach a club with Juventus with such high-profile players, such high-profile egos, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a huge job. But, uh, you know, the thing you can take away when you're looking at their things is seven draws. Uh, you, you're definitely only three losses, which isn't that bad. Um, and draws, you know, it could go either way with, you know, a goal and with VR that could have done uh, that. But still, to their standards, it's definitely uh, below. Mm-hmm. No, I think they're just following the trend where former players are joining in as managers, which is sort of the direction I think professional sports is going into. Uh, we have various different examples around the world. Um, and I think Juve thought, well, this would be it. He's a guy who can lead a locker room, also understand the egos because he himself isn't a man with ego. I think he's a pretty humble guy from the way he plays or used to play. So, I mean, it was a surprise hiring. I thought they could have hired someone with a bigger name. Obviously, Poch was available at that time. But, again, it's the direction the team's going, and, and I think it's, it's not a bad turnaround. It's just not where we expect them to be. Uh, one quick story that I do want to touch base with you on is the Torino-Lazio game was forfeited because of COVID rules and Lazio get the win. That damages Torino, who sit in 18th currently, what do you make of this entire sort of if you're you know unable to play because of COVID nineteen you automatically lose the match? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a fan of it. I mean, I just think it's like a bit unfair. I think only if like were they sorry, I'm not fully familiar. Were they like did they break uh, guidelines and stuff like that? Or there was no mention of guidelines. They just said they had eight players who tested positive. I'm going to confirm that while we are on the air here, but. Uh, but like, what do you make of that COVID thing? Did you do you think um, players should, um, like, should teams be penalized for this? Because I mean, there's been various situations, even in earlier in the season with Napoli and Juve, where Napoli were were told to forfeit their game. Um, but I mean, we're we're playing in a league and in a time where it's going to happen, especially with the amount of travel, the amount of contact that these players have. They don't have contact with fans, but they still have contact with workers in the facility. They have contact with referees in the facility. They have contact with each other, uh, their families, right? So um, like you're saying, I think I'll build off of it. I don't, I don't think it's fair. I think it's either postpone it and see what happens. And if at the end of the season, you don't need to play the game because it has no implications, then you don't play the game then. Um, you give it as a draw and end it or if it has massive implications like Torino needing to stay up, then I say play the game. Um, Definitely. We're playing in a different era. Millions of dollars on the line. Millions of dollars on the line, as well as uh, whether you're playing in Syria next year or Syria Bay. It's a huge difference in income. It's a huge difference in what players stick around and what players leave. So um, Juve were also awarded a win earlier in the season with obviously Napoli, but then another team in Sassolo, I believe. So it was overturned. So we there's a potential of it being overturned. I just don't understand the rule and, and, and the fact that it's not being properly implemented. Yeah. The only thing that would make sense for me is if uh, like a player from Trina was, you know, witness or the club was doing something that was illegal against the guidelines and they were breaking mm-hmm. the rules and then they should be punished. Of course. If it was just like a, you know, a complete accident or just like yeah. uh, unlucky. And uh, I think, you know, common sense should be taken to play. And again, like you said, postponed or, 
played at a different date. But yeah, again, it has so much implications to get relegated. So you'd hate to you'd hate to get relegated as a player and then be like, man, if only and especially the player who got COVID, like, man, if I just didn't get COVID, like we would still be in Syria. That's just like a lot of pressure. But unfortunately, you know, you don't know you have COVID or some people are so asymptomatic that you're at a point where you're like, well, I don't, well, I didn't know I had it. How would I know? I've talked to three of my teammates and now they're sick. Like, you know what I mean? Like we're in a, we're in an era where um, it's different, like playing everything like sports in general has been very different the last year. So I'm just surprised they're not, you know, looking at the rules and saying, let's just postpone, let's hope for the best and kind of go from there. Mm-hmm um why don't we take a quick break and when we come back we'll talk league epl and probably some north american soccer what up guys it's your host nick mcvicker and if you are looking for a weekly sports podcast to fill your sports needs you come to the right place garage door sports hosted by myself kyle vardy and irfan manji brings you all the up-to-date news notes and opinions on everything in the sporting world if you like good conversation good friends and a lot of jokes being thrown around you've come to the right place don't forget to check us out on all your favorite streaming sites and we will make sure we bring you content every saturday right here on garage door sports All right, we're back. We covered three of the major leagues. We covered some handball rules. Why don't we move over to France where um, we have some news, I think, right? PSG is improving with Poch coming in. They're not, you know, leading the league yet because uh, Lille is doing that with a Canadian player by the name of Jonathan David, who's been kicking ass out in, in France with nine goals on the season. Um, how important is that for, for Canadian soccer, uh, for a Canadian to be scoring goals being you know playing well playing for a team that's playing well like how much does that mean for Canada soccer I mean that's huge I mean you saw uh kind of what last year happened when Alfonso Davies with at Bayern like Canada soccer just got so many more eyes on them and it was just more excitement about the future of our, our national team now another player you know in the following year is doing just as good uh, as Alfonso Davies he's a mainstay in the team he's scoring goals like you said uh, it's huge. It's it's finally good for Canadian players, especially the younger generation. Uh, I know back when I was younger, if you were Canadian, you're kind of like in the in on the world game of soccer. You're almost like looked down on. But now these players are kind of paving the way and, and giving a good reputation for Canadian players. Uh, and it's only going to help the game here. Especially, like you said, look down on when we didn't really have much representation except for Julian de Guzman and Dwayne de Rosario and Craig Forrest for a very long time. And then you always get compared to the Americans or the Mexicans because they fall under North America. So I, I agree with you on that point where I think we're getting more spotlights. I think they're understanding that the system is sort of improving, but also Canadian players are willing to you know, put that extra effort into in, into their craft and, and really get to the next level. And look, we even have a Canadian Premier League, which I don't think we could have said was possible five years ago. So development of Canadian soccer is substantially improving. And it's great to see some some talent abroad kicking in. And, and, and with Nico also in the Canadian League, we're going to see that league uh, take flight even more so and, and, and become a main, a main powerhouse, I think, in North American soccer. Um, so AVB left Marseille. They've had a coaching change with Sampioli coming in, former Argentina Sevilla manager. Um, I'm not sure if you got a chance to sort of see that fallout, but uh, what do you make of Marseille who sit in eighth and, and just weren't seeing eye to eye with a very, very decent coach? 
yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. I don't know too much about it, if I'm being honest. But, uh, again, I mean, their form in the last five games uh, shows that there might have been some issues. Uh, but, again, a big coach. And it's not like they're a huge club, right? So, um, it's interesting. But they used to place, be. <laughs> yeah, they definitely used to be. Uh, but, I don't know. Um, oh. What are your thoughts on it? You tell me. Uh, I think the reason they they ended their their sort of relationship there was transfer issues. Like AVB wanted certain players who wasn't getting them. Um, they sort of struggled with that. Um, they bring in a guy in Sampioli who's going to ask for the same thing. So I don't know whether that's a smart move to fire the coach or to have issues with the coach. And I think anytime there's a problem with the coach and it has to do with you know stuff to bring in with transfers or or, or issues with personnel, then I. I like I just feel for the coach, I feel for the players, and and then I go to management. And well, why wasn't this discussed sooner? Like why wasn't this a fix sooner? You know. Yeah. Um, but we'll see that. Uh, PSG is this their year to win the Champions League or to really run away in any of their competitions? Like this team um, had a great game against Barcelona. Obviously, Barcelona isn't the same they were before, um, but they also played without Di Maria, uh, Marco Ferrati, and and Neymar for that clash. So. Are they are they real are they real deal or are they just gonna you know fuzz, uh, fizz out as the season progresses? I mean they're definitely the real deal. I mean they got the players to do it. Uh, they got the money to do it. Uh, they're playing a league where it's not as competitive as the other ones, so they're maybe not getting beaten up so much uh, in domestic play. Um, is it their year though? I don't think so. I mean. <laughs> It's just, I mean, to say, yeah, this is the year, that's such a, <laughs> that's such a big statement because they haven't won it in so long, but uh, I don't think so. But I mean, I would love to see them, but uh, depends how Neymar comes back. I mean, mm-hmm. he's going to be the, the focus if they could really uh, win it all. Do you think that, I mean, they played much better when they did beat Barcelona, I think without Neymar. And I think people go, well, that's not, uh, you know, fair to say that you know, Bappe is better without Neymar, but um, Moises Keen did a fantastic job stepping in. Uh, Marco uh, Cardi did the same thing. He, like they, they stepped up when they knew Neymar wasn't there. I, I think, you know, I mentioned this on Garage Door Sports and I said the same thing in the sense that they looked faster without Neymar there. They didn't have to channel the attack through him. They had four different options that were willing to take a run at Barcelona's defense and it worked. Um, not to say Neymar isn't a fantastic footballer, definitely top three, top five in the world, but um it's a different dynamic when your star player isn't there or your star player is there. Like their, their speed was different. Their pace attacking was different. So um, something to definitely look out for if you're, you know, a PSG fan and want to see a different winner or, you know, not the same favorites every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't we move over to the EPL uh, Manchester Derby starts shortly. What do you make of city season so far? And I'm, I'm sure you're going to say the same thing as <laughs> Bayern, but I mean, um, they've just come into their own no yeah i mean at the beginning i don't really remember them dominating i thought they were actually having like an up and down year and then i was thinking like oh everyone kind of figured out pep style and you know (laughs) he couldn't have done it forever and then obviously i just eat my words and now they've actually what is it 19 no what what's their win streak at right now it's like 17 or 18 or something like it's ridiculous something ridiculous so it's just like wow all right well there you go. It just makes sense, doesn't it, that they're going to be at the top and just absolutely dominating. I mean, again, I mean, Pep said it in one of his latest interviews, like, you know, how do you do this? Like, we have the most money, basically, <laughs> is what he said. So, I mean, 
they're dominating. They just have so much class on the field. You look at their bench and you're like, wow, like that, they, that bench could be starting for right. any other team in the league as you have, well. You have, um, if you have Aguero coming on in the 65th minute or Riyad Mahrez coming on in the 65th minute, it's like, okay, well, that's just embarrassment of riches. Yeah, very fortunate, very fortunate club. And they have, you know, if not the one of the two uh, best managers. So, again, with them, it should be win or, or bust. Yeah. No, I agree. They they had a COVID issue earlier in the season and they didn't really play all their matches up to a certain point, but they were slow. Like, yeah, they won, but they weren't really in anyone's radar because, you know, everyone's like, this is Liverpool's year. United's playing better. Chelsea's going to have a, a fantastic year in, uh, under Lampard. That didn't happen. Uh, Ancelotti coming into Everton, getting a full proper season. Same thing. Mourinho was killing the league for like three months and then everyone sort of forgot about City and they've they've crept in, which is something that, attests to how great they are as a club but also how great they are as um under pep and and i hate saying that so much because i've been (laughs) admitting it as a united fan and i just go man they're just dominating they're doing what united did for 30 years and they've just started their their own little dynasty in a way yeah i love how they play their like they play pep style as well like it's very fun yeah it's fun to uh, watch good for the league yeah for sure i agree with you there um what do you make of like, I mean, you look at the season so far and, and, and teams like, uh, you know, are still sitting in 10th uh, Liverpool hasn't won a home game in five tries and they're losing right now against full home at home. So it might be sixth in a row at home. Um, Spurs goes from first to eighth West Ham sort of crept in Chelsea is being consistent United's sort of there. Um, you know, this is might be the league, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this might be the league where you can have 10 different uh, competitive teams fight for either a Champions League spot or fight for the title now. Uh, obviously, the, the, the class between City and Liverpool, when Liverpool's healthy, is, is better than everyone else, but you have 10 solid teams, you know, that can really challenge. Definitely. I mean, it's a very competitive league. Again, everyone has said this, I'm, I'm not... Uh... You know, saying this for the first time, but I it is the most competitive league in Europe, um, and it just goes to show. I mean, Arsenal in tenth. I mean, even like a team like West Ham. Like I remember back a few years ago, West Ham was you know near the bottom. Sometimes even fighting, you know, not relegation, but in relegation earlier in the season. And now to see a team like that in sixes is good to see. It's good for it's good for football. Again, mm-hmm. you don't want to just see football to turn into whoever has the most money is going to get the results. So obviously, clubs like Arsenal, um, you know, you know, Tottenham, they do have more money than the rest. But then you see little guys like West Ham, Everton to be up there, and you know, Leicester. Obviously, mm-hmm. a few years ago when they won it, it's just good for the league and it's good for football. Because then you you want it to still be a sport and not it be, you know, about business, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's always going to be about business, no matter how much we don't want it to, because it it does come down to revenue at the end of the day. But like you said, I think seeing teams that Leicester, Everton, West Ham, who might not have, you know, 200 million or 300 million spending budget for, for buying players or players of high class, for example, or like middle tier class is what they're looking at. No offense to players, but I'm just saying like, that's sort of the market they're going to dip into. It's a change. It's a, it's a change, but it's also a surprise when you see big teams. Um, you know, we started with a big four, you know, then we went to a big six and now I, I think you can extend it to a big eight or big 10 because there's so many clubs that can realistically get hot and have the squad to get hot and win. 
definitely. I would be curious to see when COVID does clear up and it's back to normal fans in the stands and all that going on. Uh, if it stays like this or then COVID kind of goes away and now it's back to the, the solid yeah. six. That, I, that's I wonder a very if it makes point. it a, a level playing field with, you know, no fans and, you know, players going in and out and different kinds of training. Like, yeah, I feel like it has. I mean, home games don't feel like home games from a lot of clubs. Um, you can have the fake noise on while you're watching the game, but like you, you, the players don't hear the fake noise. They just hear, um, you know, themselves talking like they're training. It's like, Oh, you make it a mess. Keep going, keep going, do this, do this. You know, like you, you tend to hear that versus, you know, a, a fan heckling you, uh, proper heckling guys, not racist chants. That's not what I'm condoning here. It's proper heckling. Like you suck, not, you know, other stuff. Um, I think the leagues, uh, we did a good job. We covered the five European leagues. Why don't we move over to North America and we'll start in the CPL and I'll let you lead this one. Uh, a couple of major stories and, and major thoughts. So why don't you take over there? Yeah, I mean, uh, the biggest one, uh, I guess, coming in for player transfers is uh, Tristan Borges. He was a 2019, hate to say it, league MVP uh, with Forge. Uh, he's now coming back on loan uh, back to Forge with, uh, from his club uh, in Belgium. Uh, as a player uh, on an opposing team, uh, I don't like to see it, obviously. I don't like seeing other teams uh, uh, strengthening. Um, mm-hmm. But as a, as a fan, because I still am a fan of the CPL, I want to see the league succeed. I want to see it grow. I think it's great. He's obviously a talented player. He's a talented Canadian player. He's young. I think he kind of uh, couldn't really break into the squad, uh, whatever it may be out in Belgium. So him coming back, he's going to get plenty of games. Uh, it's going to be great for him. Uh, like I said, he is young. I, oh, I think he's like 20, 21, uh, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, so it's good. Uh, um, am I going to like playing against him? No. Uh, but like I said, it's good for him. And I think his goal is to kind of get back into that national team setup. So, you know, get 30 games underneath your belt and in, in the CPL. Um, I think if he has success, just like he had in the first year, he'll be back in that national team setup. Uh, and then hopefully he can go back and then, uh, you know, prove the people that might be doubting him in Belgium uh, wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we talk about players making that jump from their home country to play for an international setup. So maybe it's one of those where he needs to just come back, find his game, and then go back and, and come back stronger. So all the best to him for coming back. I mean, obviously not for you because you're going <laughs> to face off against him. But Nika's going to make some big saves against you, boy. Just, just watch out. You won't score. He's going to be a rock. Knock on wood. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not on wood. Uh, another big story there. Uh, the other big story, I know we talked about it off the air. Quickly remind me, remind me. Marcel Dion. Marcel Dion, of course. Uh, like fine wine, I thought he was only getting better with age. Yeah, he's a class player. He has announced uh, his retirement. He was playing with Pacific FC. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if this is how he kind of wants to go out, but he, he's announced his retirement, and I wish him all the best. Uh, he is now involved with Canada PFA, uh, so I'm not too sure if he's going to now take that route and, and uh, represent uh, Canadian players and kind of be the voice for them. Um, don't really know him uh, personally, but uh, obviously I know people who know him very well, and I've only uh, heard people speak uh, the highest of him. Um, great guy. Uh, he's obviously had an amazing career. He's been a mainstay with the national team uh, for, for quite some time, and he's just been a good a role model for Canadian players, especially Canadian players when they were trying to make the jump uh, into Europe. And, you know, when he came back, uh, 
to the CPL for the last two years. I think he had some trouble with injuries, but again, the people that I know at Pacific, they, uh, they spoke very highly of him. Uh, mm-hmm. And he was the le- leader in the locker room. He was kind of like, uh, I believe he was their captain, to be honest. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, just a great guy and you know, happy retirement to him and uh, uh, good luck in his next chapter. Yeah, of course. We'll probably see him uh, be very vocal and around in the in the Canadian PFA, like you said, and and really help with the development because I think he has a lot of experience and a lot of guys will will appreciate. Um, another major story is there's a potential start for May Long weekend for the CPL. Um, is that confirmed or was that just uh, was out there in the news? <laughs> well, it is that is their goal, and I think everyone okay. in the league is going toward that goal. Um, but no, it is not set in stone. I don't think you could set anything in stone uh, with the world <laughs> that we're living in. Um, but that's definitely still the plan that has not changed. Uh, I actually like the start date uh, a bit warmer so we don't have to be playing in the snow like we did in uh, 2019. Um, and I think it'll be cool. I mean, there's eight teams. Uh, so if I was doing it, uh, this is how I would do it. And I'll pitch my thing to CPL now. Is So uh, May long weekend, obviously. So a game Friday, a game Saturday, a game Sunday, a game Monday, every single a night, a night game, get the fans out there. It'll be great to kind of kickstart the league again, mm-hmm. you know, proper. I would love to say there would be fans in the stands. Uh, who knows? But again, if it could be on TV, May long weekend, evening games, get like good TV time as well. Um, I think that'll be great for the league, great for the fans and great for us players. Mm-hmm. Especially if opening weekend is on like Sportsnet or CBC or, or TSN, that'd be great. Um, I know it's on one soccer most of the time. So people don't have a subscription to that. It'd be nice to just get it on TV and sort of like channel people to to the next streaming site. So we'll keep an eye out on that. Um, but good luck to the teams that are prepping right now. And good luck to Nico there. Um, let's go to MLS where we have three Canadian teams sort of, uh, I guess I guess it's a massive unknown for all three of them. But before we get into that, we know that TFC is going to start their campaign in Florida, switch between Orlando and Tampa. So they won't be at home. Um, don't know anything else about Montreal or, or Vancouver, whether they're going to play in the States or they're going to play from their home stadiums. We'll find out when that comes out. But all three Canadian teams are just in, in a different direction now, right? Like Thierry Henry stepped down last week or two weeks ago. Um, TFC has a new coach and, and Chris Armis. And Vancouver just needs to have a better season, right? They just can't keep dangling at the bottom of the table. Like you expect them to be better, especially when they, they, they're so competitive when they play other Canadian teams, but it, it feels like it's, there's no competition between them and the rest of the American squads. Um, and the season starts uh, April 17th. Okay. So back to the Canadian teams. Oh, what's going on right now? Like everything's different. There's different perspectives for all three of them. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, I'm biased. TFC, I guess, is my club as well. Time. I expect TFC to be the best out of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, again, this is all biased opinions. And then Montreal, obviously, they're the rivals of TFC, so I want them to be the worst. But then I got a good friend there on the team, and Joel Waterman, who played at Cavalry. He's playing there, so I want him to be successful. Um, and then, like you said, Vancouver just kind of needs to, to find their form. They're in year three with Mark Dos Santos. Uh, hopefully he could really implement the culture uh, that he wants in his club and they can have a bit of success. Uh, the thing with uh, all three of those teams is they do have uh, Canadian players. And because of that, I want to see all three of those teams uh, be successful. But the, like you said, they all are 
in all different uh, parts of, you know, they're all coming in different ways. TFC, how are they going to do? You know, they lost uh, Greg Manny, so now with a new coach coming in, are they going to still have that same culture of uh, winning and being a top club in the East, top club in the MLS? Because that's really what they've been uh, mm -hmm. since 2017, really. Uh, Montreal, new coach as well. I think they're looking for, they haven't hired a new head coach, have they? No, no I haven't so, seen so anything of that. And I mean, you know, when a coach steps down, like when we talked about it earlier in the show, a, a lot of changes. So it's funny, Vancouver is the team now that's been struggling the most, but they've had the coach for the for the longest amount of time. So really, this is Mark DeSantis's year to kind of, you know, put his uh, footprint on the club and in the league. So hopefully they have success. But I want all three clubs to be successful because they have three. Or sorry, they have uh, Canadian players playing for them. But uh, mm -hmm. I want TFC to win. And TFC plays Forge soon in the Canadian Championship game. Yeah, so it's not massive game. It's, uh, I think it's set for April or something along the lines of that. Might be wrong. Uh, we'll double check and we'll, we'll see if we can find it for everyone listening. Um, that does it for today's starting 11, which is brought to us by Shenzi Shack. Don't forget to give Chef Sab and the Shack a follow on Instagram as they bring you cuisines from around the world. They deliver and now are available for pickup in the Vancouver area. We're going to take a quick uh, little break. And when we come back, final thoughts. Good day, everybody. This is Ryan from 20 Minutes on Ice. Join me and my co-host, Nick McVicker, for opinions and analysis on the week that was in the hockey world. New episode available every Friday, wherever you download your favorite podcast from. 20 Minutes on Ice, part of the Garage Door Sports Network. All right, man. That does it for today. Uh, again, thank you so much for joining us. Do you have any final thoughts as we as we sign off? Yeah, I got nothing. Uh, no real final thoughts. The weather's getting nicer. Uh, I'm here in Toronto, and I, I think today is the last day where it's supposed to be negative. And I think this coming week, uh, it's all gonna be positive. So I'm excited to to get some vitamin D, get some sun, yeah. walk outside. I've been cooped up in this apartment for a long time because I just hate the cold. So warm weather. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, warm weather lets you go out and train rather than training inside. Correct. Correct. Well, that's great. Uh, my quick final thought is players are not being released from big clubs such as Liverpool and City regarding uh, international play because of various different quarantining rules that are occurring in the countries that they're going to play in. So something to keep an eye out whether all major clubs are doing that. Um, I know in the women's league in France, Lyon and PSG uh, for Ligue 1 Feminine, they didn't let their top players go for the She Believes Cup. So it might be a trend that we will continually see over the next couple of months, especially with the season winding down and major matches coming up. I don't think teams can afford to lose players for a long time. So we'll keep another eye out on another great story. All right, we're done today. Make sure you subscribe uh, to the podcast. Give us a like or leave a rating. You can follow us on Twitter at TouchlineTH. You can follow me at Manji. You can follow Nico on Instagram and uh, Twitter with his handle at NicoLeosGiants. Um, he's active, so give him a follow. Give him Ask him questions about his, his career so far, about what he thinks of TFC as their season will begin to start. Don't forget to give uh, Garage Door Sports on Twitter a follow uh, or check out the website at www.garagedoorsports.com. Shenzi Shack is on Instagram, which we always tweet a link about. Uh, thank you, Nick Go, for joining me. I'm 
grateful that you're here, my man. Um, and best of luck to you for your upcoming season. I, I hope you kill it and, and are ready to to win a championship because that's that's uh, it's going to happen, man. Fingers crossed yeah. for you. I'm praying for yes. you. Speak into existence. LeVar, LeVar Ball. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you very much again. And thank you to all for listening. We'll catch you next match day. Cheers. We'll be right back.